<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Congressman Mark Pocan is going to be with us in a few minutes. He's uh, down on the floor of the House voting. And uh, so as soon as the vote is done, he will uh, uh, lickety-split, head up to his office and, and be with us and take your calls for our first hour. It is Anything Goes Friday. There is a terrible shooting in Santa Fe, Texas. Uh, Santa Fe, uh, named after St. Francis, right? uh, you know, as is San Francisco. And uh, I'm not sure if that particular Santa Fe was intentionally named after St. Francis, but the, the, uh, the one in, in, I believe the one in New Mexico is. Uh, St. Francis, the, the, uh, the saint of pacifism, clearly not happening here. So when I saw this happening, I, I tweeted out, how much do you want to bet that Republicans will offer thoughts and prayers, but to avoid ridicule, will use slightly different words? After all, they need that NRA money to hold power to continue to rip off the middle class. And uh, Smarty Bob uh, tweets back at me. He says, uh, Tom Hartman hits the nail on the head again. Donnie T. Rump avoided thoughts and prayers, but said sadness and heartbreak. We are grieving with you. And then said many phrases that begin with, may God, may God, may God. This con man can't say God enough lately. It works. Yeah, he's trying the old, uh, the old, uh, you know, Mike Pence scam, right? But here we are. We have another mass shooting, another school shooting. And apparently, uh, apparently it was a student, possibly two. We don't know. I mean, a lot of details still to come in. And apparently uh, the shooter set off the fire alarm in the school, which causes, I mean, the, 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 the training that they give you or that they're doing in our schools now, which is, is also traumatizing our kids, the training that they're giving in our schools is when there's an active shooter, you lock the doors, you barricade the doors, everybody stay in their room, nobody go in the hall, because you go in the hall, you get shot. And one of the recent shooters set off the fire alarm specifically to get people into the hall so he could shoot as many of them as possible. And apparently this kid did the same thing. And uh, also apparently, and again, this is all subject to, you know, as we learn more details, but this is, this is what's being reported right now tentatively, is that one of the people who was shot but not killed, but might be the adult who is in critical condition in surgery right now, was the school cop. Uh, they call them resource officers. The resource that they have is a gun. Uh, police in schools have radically increased the number of children who are being sent to criminal detention centers, children's jails, children's prisons, ending up with ch children's criminal records, particularly young people of color. And, and, and Trump is like, yeah, we're going to double down on that. But apparently the so-called good guy with a gun did not stop the bad guy with a gun this morning, although, again, we don't know. But, you know, what we do know is that this is, this is not a good thing. That this is, this is, you know, one more time. One more time. Okay, ABC News interviewed a student by the name of Paige Curry, and here is what she had to say. I managed to keep calm through it all. There was another. Here's what she had to say. I managed to keep calm through it all. 
there was another girl who was just freaking out. They were struggling really hard to keep her calm. It was really, it was really scary. Was there a part of you that was like, this isn't real, this isn't, this would not happen in my school? <laughs> no, there wasn't. Um, Why so? It's been happening everywhere. I felt, I've always kind of felt like eventually it was going to happen here too. Wow. You know, when I was a kid, we worried about the, uh, the Soviets nuking us, but it never occurred to me it would actually happen. I don't think it ever occurred to any of us. You know, the whole duck and cover thing, yeah, you know, we were mildly traumatized by it, I suppose, but it was also fun. You know, the bell went off. We could ignore the teacher for five minutes and jump under our desks. This is a whole different level of frightened. This is a whole different level of terror. These, these shooters are terrorists. And the Republicans and the National Rifle Association are supporting terrorists when they fight against legislation that would make it harder for these people to get guns. Let's just call it what it is. At the school where the shooting happened in Santa Fe, Texas, a, a man carrying a, a pistol on his hip, wearing a um, Make America White Again, excuse me, Make America Great Again hat, and carrying an American flag has shown up at the school. What the hell? This is, this is crazy. Anyhow, so, uh, anyhow, anything goes Friday. I'm going to pick up some phone calls here. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to be in the queue for Congressman Pocan, be sure to tell our call screener that when you call in. Um, and, in fact, for that matter, when I put you on the air, if you'd rather wait and you've got a question for Pocan, just tell me and I'll put you back on hold. So, but if you've got something you want to riff about this morning, go for it. If anything goes Friday, whatever you'd like to talk about. Bernie in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, Bernie, it says here you want to disagree with me. What's up? Hey, uh, I wanted to talk about the Second Amendment. <clears throat> okay. And um, one of the problems I see in the anti-Second Amendment arguments and your reference to Mass and earlier, um, if you're against the Second Amendment, you should just say, hey, we won't don't believe in private gun ownership. When you try to act as if the founding fathers did not intend for the citizens to be able to arm themselves, you're ignoring history, you're ignoring constitutional jurisprudence. The, the term arms is the right to bear arms. Arms is short for armaments. It's not just about guns. Armaments included cannons, mortars. They had all that technology at the time. The founders wanted the everyday citizen, the average citizen, to have access to weaponry should the government ever become tyrannical? Not or true. Should it's simply not true. If that was, if, listen, Bernie, if that was true, it would be recited, you know, if, if Thomas Jefferson had said that, or, or James Madison had said that, or Patrick Henry had said that, or any of the other founders had ever said anything even remotely close to what you're saying, it would be burned into the brains of every gun owner in America, and it would be in 72-point in, in type across the top of the NRA's building. It does not exist. Yes, you're right. The idea was that everybody should, should, that all men between the ages of 17 and 47 in, in, the, in the original states, and those, were the, those, were, those were the typical ages, they, there was some variation from state to state, were required to be members of state militias, at least in the southern states. And those state militias were also in the states of North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama, referred to as slave patrols. And, and all white citizens had to, had to show up at least one day a month in Georgia, it was one day a week in North Carolina, uh, to participate in the slave patrols and go out in the back roads and look for any slaves who might be running away or even thinking about it and scare the crap out of them. Absolutely, you're right. And, and the, 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 the two constituencies that wanted the Second Amendment were, number one, the northern folks who were saying that we are worried about, a, which include, by the way, which included the Virginians, Jefferson and Madison, who were concerned that standing armies were typically the instruments of tyranny. Not governments, standing armies. They were the ones that overthrew governments regularly, and by the way, they still do. It just happened in, it just happened in Egypt a couple of years ago, right? So they did not want us to have a standing army during time of peace, which is why when Jefferson became president, there were 300,000 men under arms, and he dialed it down to 6,000 people in, 2000, in, in um, 1808, when, when he, in the last year of his, his term. So Correct. Th th you know, they were all about making sure that there was no standing army during time of peace. But that was not to stop the government. That was to stop the army. Well, what, what is the army? It is an arm of the government. But here's the point. The, the founding fathers wrote the Second Amendment. They don't, it's, it's 
quite explicit in its language. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. William Rawl. You're, you're omitting the first part of it. Well, no, I'm not. How am I? Uh, a net of um, uh, militia being a well-regulated militia being what? necessary to the security of a free state. And by the way, in the original draft, it, it in addition to having a, a half sentence at the very end of it, which said that no person who consciously, conscientiously objects to military service shall be forced to serve. It, so it ends, right. with a, it ends with the militia, and it starts with the militia. This was all about individual states having militias. And it said, a, or the, the first draft was a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free nation. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and those, uh, and I forget the exact language, but those who uh, are opposed to military service shall not be forced to serve. It, this was all about state militias. And Patrick Henry got up, and you can read this. Just Google this. If you plug my name in, you'll find, you'll find it very easily, but you can find it without my name at all. Patrick Henry, Virginia Ratifying Convention, 1789, um, you know, uh, the, the Second Amendment. Patrick Henry got up and said, and, and, and again, you can, you can read this easily. In fact, I've got it printed out around here someplace, but I'm not going to take the time to find it. Patrick Henry got up and said um, that if we ever got a president and Congress was ever controlled by Northerners, that they would use that Second Amendment, the, the, the militia be necessary for a free nation. They would use that Second Amendment, and they would use Article One, Section 8, which gives Congress and the president the power to, to call up the military. And there's parts of Article 2 that also give, you know, he's commander-in-chief of the military, that they would give the president and, the, and, the, and Congress the power to call up the military and free the slaves. Henry's exact quote was, will they not search that document, this Constitution, for looking for a way to enact manumission, which is you know freedom of the slaves. They did this during the Revolutionary War, and we will see it again should this pass. And, and, and again, I encourage you to read Patrick Henry's actual speech at the Virginia Ratifying Convention. Yeah, James this, Madison this then got up and said, sir, you are being paranoid. You are, you know, this is not the intention of anybody. And Patrick Henry said, there are 600, there are over 600,000 slaves in this state. Uh, there, are, there were more slaves in Virginia than there were white people. He said there are 600,000 slaves in this state. And, and, and he, would, by the way, was the largest slaveholder in the state. And this right. amendment puts our peace, our liberty, and our property, in other words, slaves, at risk. And Madison said then, as a compromise, let's change the word nation to the word state to protect the slave patrol of Virginia. And Patrick Henry accepted that, and that's how the Second Amendment became what it is. And, and yeah, I'm that, not that, making this stuff up. You can read it yourself. No, but that, that again, that's wholly irrelevant. You're acting as if the Second Amendment was only put into play to, pr to protect slave owners. It's not necessarily true. The Second it was put into place for, as I said, two reasons. Well, number one, Paul, to protect the, the slave owners, and number two, to prevent a standing army from overthrowing our government. Which, by the way, some people would argue has already happened. But that's a whole other discussion, and you're not going to solve that sure. with guns. But when you say well-regulated, you got to understand what that means colloquially. Liberals will take that well-regulated. Say, look, they meant a well-regulated militia. Militia, by by definition, is not necessarily an, an, a mechanism of the state. Militias can be completely organically derived. Militia does not have to be a state-sanctioned entity. And also, well-regulated colloquially meant uh, well-trained. It literally meant people who can shoot well. I don't know where you're getting your information, government. Bernie. But at the time, and look, again, I encourage you to well read. Well-regulated meant. You've never read the debate. I, go back and read the debate. In, 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 uh, there were three different debates on this topic, major debates. The first one was in, in August of 1787 in Philadelphia at the when, they, when they wrote the Constitution. Actually, it was in early September. The second one was, was a year and a half later, almost two years later, in the, in the spring of 1780, uh, 1789, when it, when it was being debated. And, and in each one of the states in the ratifying conventions, although the major debate was in Virginia, and that's where it actually got modified. And the third was in 1791, when it was actually ratified by Congress. I have read all three of those. And I'm telling you, well-regulated meant under the control of the governor of the state. No, that's not true. Look, look up the colloquial definition. A well-regulated militia meant a well-trained militia. But, you know, there's no dic dictionary of colloquial definitions, and that's that way. Bernie, you know, read the history. I, you know, I, I, this, is, this is nuts. David in Greenfield, California. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? Uh, my question is for Mark Pocan. Okay, let me, let me, that's quite all right. Let me put you back on hold. Uh, Don, do you have a question for Pocan, or you want to talk about something else? 
yes, I'd like to talk about something else. Okay, go for it. Uh, tell me your city and state, by the way. It didn't get written down. Okay, uh, we're in Winsboro, South Carolina. Great, thank you. Okay, um, my wife and I are both military retired. We uh, constantly hear support. We support our troops. We support our troops. Okay. Uh, we have an issue of something I'd like the country to know. There's a, a few retire armed forces retirement homes in this country. Uh, one I'm I'm familiar with, and I'm thinking about going to. I'm 71. Uh, is in Gulfport, Mississippi. Now the people in the home, to, for their payment to be there, they have to pay 40% of their gross income, not net income, but their gross. Is this a Medicaid requirement? Uh, it, it, I think the armed forces is, is a in, in part of the government. Mm -hmm. And uh, but uh, yeah. So, but the point is. So uh, this is this is a military benefit because I remember when my mom, uh, you know, needed. Uh, we ended up not putting her in a home because my brother, one of my brothers, took her in. But um, this was after my dad died, and she was sliding away into dementia. And right. uh, we had to completely bankrupt my parents' estate before she could do that, uh, or we would have had to had we decided to do that. And that was because of the Medicaid requirement. But but apparently this is something well, else. I'm, I'm, excuse me, Don, for interrupting you. It's something else. It has, <clears throat> has not to do with Medicare. Uh, but the, my problem is that I and my wife are thinking of going to this home, but the last time I called them a couple of weeks ago, they said the gross 40% in, uh, in income going for the payment is going to be increased one October to 60% of your gross income. Hmm. There had been a jump from 35 to 40, and that went for a couple of years. Right. But now they're going to increase it 50%. Now, this home is already full. There's waiting lists. And the people that are there have given up their homes, their whatever lifestyle they had to go to an assisted living home because they're getting older. But then they drop a bombshell on them of going from 40% gross income to 60%. Yeah, and my prediction would be as the Republicans continue to look for money to pay for their uh, their tax giveaway to the billionaires, the, the so-called GOP right. tax scam, that that's going to get even well, worse. A problem I've heard they, why they're asking for this income because – the home is losing $20 million a year. Mm -hmm. Since Trump's been in office, he has spent uh, $80 million in golf excursions, uh, costs, et cetera, et cetera, for these golf excursions in sure. less than two years. Yep. But they're, they're concerned about the government uh, having a funding problem of, uh, for a retirement home, an uh, armed forces retirement home, uh, of $20 million a year. Uh, it seems like they could turn over a rock or two and find some additional funding for this this home. Well, see, Don, you're you're assuming that the party that controls the House and Senate right now cares about veterans, and they don't. They only care about veterans when there's a photo opportunity. Well, I I understand that, but again, I'm just calling to sort of put out the word a little bit of anyone that might hear. And uh, I've been a follower of yours for years and years, and appreciate your program. Yeah. And I just sort of want to get it out on the air. And uh, the people at the home right now, I'm talking to them. They're trying to get petitions, et cetera. They're trying to call their congressman, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Don, if you can. One if, thing, if you put the numbers for the House and the Senate again up on your screen. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I can, I can tell you what it is. It's, it, it, this, the same numbers will get you to either one. But it, the number is 202-225-3121 or 224-3121. And uh, but what would be useful, I mean, give me a call next week. And if you can find where where did this happen? Was this part of the budget bill? Was this part of the the military appropriations bill? Uh, was this, you know, just unique to this particular facility? Um, if this is something that's systemic, if this is something that Congress has something to do with, uh, we need to know the details in order to be able to call members of Congress and, and, and say what's going on. So if you can get a little more detail for me, uh, Don, I'd be glad to. to give you a platform to publicize it, okay? Okay, I sure will, Tom. I lived in Portland a few years. I love your program. I love Portland. Thank you. Yeah, Take it's care. a great town. In fact, Stormy Daniels is here tonight. <laughs> Don, thanks a lot for the call. Louise and I were actually, you know, oh, she's going to be at a strip club here tonight. Maybe we should go. <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, uh, Timothy in Milwaukee, are you on hold for Pocan, or do you want to? Uh, for? No, I, I, this is a broad uh question or, or idea for okay timothy could you please take me off the off the uh, speakerphone sure thank you 
Uh, you're on my headset. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, this is for anybody listening, state, 50 statewide, um, who might, um, or for the states that don't have marijuana uh, laws, progressive marijuana laws, I'd like people across the country to, to initiate um, ballot initiatives to legalize or at least decriminalize marijuana. And I think if that gets on the ballot this November, it's going to get a lot of young kids out. And um, I don't know what it takes. I, I hope there's enough time still to get those initiatives on ballots, but I'd like to plant the seed now so that's, that, you know, if it takes a couple months and, and people can do it, I think that's just one way to look forward. It's very and, wise and, advice, yeah. Timothy. You know, the, the uh, conservatives have been playing this game for decades. They would... They would, uh, they would put ballot initiatives on that uh, ban abortion or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And uh, it, it just, uh, you know, the whole point of it was to, to crank the conservative base and get them out there. And it worked, you know, they worked quite successfully, even though they, they knew that they were unconstitutional laws, that they would never pass. If they were passed, they'd be struck down. But uh, decriminalizing pot is not unconstitutional. It can be put on ballots. In fact, it's passed in some states that way. And it would bring out young people. You're absolutely right. Timothy, yeah, thanks for the call. And thanks for listening to us there in Milwaukee. We'll be back. Congressman Pocan will be with us right after this. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with Congressman Mark Pocan. Your call for Congressman Pocan at 202, uh, what's our number? 808-9925, right after this. And welcome back, Congressman Pocan. You with us? I am. Hey, wonderful, wonderful. We'll uh, we'll reintroduce yourself when we rejoin our commercial stations in four minutes. Uh, but uh, right now we're live on Free Speech TV and on all our non-commercial stations and on YouTube and and uh, Facebook and everything else all across the country and the world. So uh, what what's what's going on in Congress right now? And my apologies for being late. Uh, we're we're running the farm bill and. Uh, we knew that they were having difficulty lining up uh, their members, you know, when they basically shut us out of negotiations and made very lopsided attacks on people receiving uh, supplemental nutrition assistance, uh, food stamps, essentially, the program, uh, that they are not going to get Democratic support. So they went work with us on the bill. They went places that they knew we couldn't go. But then the Tea Party also uh, stood up against it because they're trying to get some concessions on a bad immigration um, vote uh, on a bill and some uh, additional cuts uh, with the rescission bill potentially coming uh, up. So it's been one of those uh, battles where they just couldn't even break 200 and they need, you know, about 218 to get something through Congress. So uh, Paul Ryan voted the other way. They did a reconsideration. They're leaving that open so they can try to revisit it. But uh, because they couldn't line up their votes, as the process turned out to be longer than usual. Well, that's a good uh, thing, isn't it? I mean, my understanding is that the Farm Bill had two major poison pills in it. One was cutting food stamps, uh, SNAP benefits, and the other was uh, dialing back on, on uh, funding for programs that help farmers uh, remediate, uh, you know, basically uh, wastewater and things like that. You yeah, know, make conservation. Their, yeah, yeah, conservation. Yeah, exactly. conservation. Thank you. Yeah, and, and those were two, but there's also some other things, too. But they just didn't even work with us, so this wasn't even a normal farm bill where, again, it's kind of a unique marriage between some urban, more urban interests, although there's certainly poor people in all areas uh, around uh, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and then the more traditional ag uh, programs. So this, but this marriage has always made the bill be a bill that could pass. And then, of course, you know, Paul Ryan uh, showed once again that, um, you know, he's the leadership as uh, I am to, you know, uh, modeling great hair care. <laughs> I'm bald, right? It just doesn't. Uh, Paul is not exactly doing a bang up job here. And today was just one more example of him not doing that bang up job. Yeah, apparently, the uh, uh, wow. So, so, you know, what else is going on in Congress that we need to know about right now? Yeah, you know, I think um, there's going to be a lot of things going on next week, especially because we'll have the um, National Defense Authorization, NDAA bill up. All right, this is the uh, military authorization. Yeah. yeah, I think there's over 400 um, plus uh, amendments. I know I alone, I think, have four or five or something like that that we've submitted from everything from Israel and Gaza to Yemen to, you know, everything else uh, that people are introducing amendments. So that'll be a big uh, thrust of the week, and then because I'm on appropriations, we've been in markups for the last several weeks, and, and that's taking five-hour chunks of my day up right now. So Whoa. it's just a busy time. We had a caller a few minutes ago who uh, uh, was about to retire. Uh, he's retired military, and there's a retired military uh, 
retirement home, I guess, you know, or whatever you call them, uh, in his state. I, as I recall, it was Alabama or Mississippi, but I could be wrong. And he said that uh, it, it used to be you had to pay 30, 25 or 30 percent of your income uh, to get in there, uh, whether your income is Social Security or whatever it may be. He said that this year they're jacking it up to 40 percent and they're concerned next year it's going to go to 50 percent. Is that something that came out of the, the military bill? I, I couldn't even tell you because that's not something that I've even had a chance to see yet because it's coming up next week. Uh, it yeah. may be time I just don't know. Okay. All right. We're, we're going we're gonna to rejoin our stations and we'll be right back. Congressman Mark Pocan with us. Stick around. Well, Congressman Mark Pocan is back from voting on the farm bill, which did not pass. He is—it's uh, he represents the second district of Wisconsin. He is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Uh, Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at rep rep Mark Pocan. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. So glad to have you with us. So, shall we pick up some phone calls? Absolutely. Okay, David in Greenfield, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you for taking my call. Did the, the SAFE Act get passed? If no, can we go back to exit polls to check for redshift and do hand recounts for suspicious exit polls? I don't believe that 100,000 people in the Detroit voter districts passed no vote for president in the 2016 election. And if we had done a hand recount, we would know it. And, and we also would have Hillary Clinton as president. Congressman? Okay. Yeah, David, so first of all, no, the SAFE Act has not even had a hearing yet. Um, you know, with uh, this majority, they're not looking to fix elections, unfortunately. Well, actually, they are looking to fix them, but a whole different kind of fix than we're trying to do with the SAFE Act. You know, SAFE Act, as you know, uh, trying to make sure that we've got uh, the ability to have paper ballots of all machines for having random recounts of elections in 5% of all elections to discourage anyone from tampering to put the definition of elections under the nation's critical infrastructure definition so it's treated like banks and, and the energy grid provide the maximum security and other measures that would make sure our elections are more secure. So, no, we haven't even had a hearing yet. What's interesting is, you know, now um, there are more moves, and you're going to see more coming out uh, next week from Democrats around uh, good government and elections and other things as, part as, as we're moving forward with uh, getting closer to November. But um, that's part of the problem is, like, right now, I don't think you can go back. You don't have paper ballots, and many times they're not stored after a certain amount of time. Uh, there's very little ability to go back and check that. That's why one of the key provisions of the SAFE Act is to say immediately you're going to have recounts in 5% of all elections. Um, while it may not address specifically exit polls, because that may be a little difficult because who took the exit poll, et cetera, still it, it accomplishes the same thing you're saying. Let's uh, provide that extra way to make sure with a paper ballot uh, someone hasn't played with an election. Tom in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Bocamp. Hi, gentlemen. I've just got a uh, quick idea about how we can uphold the Second Amendment and at the same time have effective gun control. The idea is that uh, we allow citizens to own as many arms as we want, but only the types of arms that were available at the time when that document was written. <laughs> there you go. I hear you, Tom. I, you know, I, I do think you bring up a really key point, right, that uh, let's, let's think about what type of weapon was used, how long it took to load it, and... and the speed at which uh, mass damage could happen versus now. And, you know, that's why we have a Constitution. It's a living, breathing document, and uh, we have to have at least consideration. That wasn't even what they thought of at the time uh, with the Second Amendment, and certainly we've all agreed as a society there are reasonable controls that we can put on there that still protect a Second Amendment right, and uh, that's where I think the vast majority of the public are on a number of issues. Uh, but we, again, can't get this Congress to act because the gun manufacturers, a.k.a. the NRA, uh, put lots of money and lots of effort into elections. So we just, the good news is, um, Tom, people are standing up to the NRA, even in places like northern Wisconsin where everyone hunts. They're making the distinction between uh, no one is really trying to go after their rifle for hunting, and that's not what the NRA is. The NRA is about gun manufacturers who want to sell more guns so that they have bigger garages than their neighbors. And yeah. the more we talk about that greed uh, versus uh, the survival, uh, I think we're going to win on the gun violence issue. Yeah, we've got a, a couple of calls on mass shootings. I don't know if you caught the news this morning, but about a half oh. hour ago or so, or an hour ago, it broke that 
uh, in Santa Fe, Texas, a little small town in Texas, in a, uh, a school that looks like a high school or middle school. Uh, between eight and ten kids are dead. Uh, people are dead. Apparently a school resource officer was shot as well. Uh, the shooter is in custody. He was unharmed. Uh, there may be, a, he may have a collaborator, uh, but it's the 22nd school shooting so far this year. It, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. And now next week we'll have a moment of silence and then we'll have absolutely no moment of action, yeah. uh, which is why, again, I think people are starting to look at November as the moment of action. Yeah, I tweeted this morning that my, my prediction is that the Republicans, instead of saying thoughts and prayers, will say the same thing but in other words because those words are being ridiculed now. And sure enough, Donald Trump came out and said, we're here for you. We're, yeah. we're you know, we, we, you know, God is with you. And, and it's like he's, he would not use the word thoughts and he would not use the word prayers. But he said, he said the exact same thing. It was Well, sometimes I don't pathetic. know if he has a lot of thoughts, though. Yeah, well, there's that, too, yeah. <laughs> and the idea of Trump praying is a little frightening, actually. Congressman Mark Pocan, it's Middays with Mark here on the Tom Hartman Program. Congressman Pocan, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, taking your calls live here on the Tom Hartman program. We'll be back. You, uh, his website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. Uh, Congressman Pocan's Twitter handle, R-E-P, Mark, M-A-R-K-P-O-C-A-N. Congressman uh, Rep. Mark Pocan is his Twitter handle. We'll be right back. When I first experienced the X chair, I was totally blown away. I'd never experienced an office chair that was anywhere near as comfortable, high-tech, and yes, I'll say it's sexy as this chair. Not only did the chair improve the look of my office, it actually improved my concentration and productivity due to better posture. Makers of X chair just launched their newest version, the X3. The X3 is quite simply the most modern, ergonomic, high-tech, comfortable office chair in the world, period. The X3's unique ATR fabric makes it feel like you're literally floating on air, and its patented split-back lumbar technology provides a cradling, customized feel that must be experience to be believed. You need to see and feel the X3 for yourself. And here's how. Go to xchairtom.com now to experience the X3's perfect blend of design and ergonomics. Early demand is extremely high and supplies are limited, so don't wait. Order now at xchairtom, T-H-O-M.com for $100 off. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, to also get a free foot arrest. xchairtom.com. Welcome back. It's Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls live on the Tom Hartman program. And uh, Dan in Santa Clara, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Uh, how you doing, Tom? Congressman. Um, I will take exception to um, when the congressman um, responded to the last caller where they compared the Second Amendment and its original written by the, the framers and that they had uh, that people then had muskets and and uh, that the, that the constitution needs to grow and breathe as times change you're missing the point the reason why the second amendment was there is to keep a tyrannical government from oppressing the people and so the people then had weaponry that were similar to or equal to the potential tyrannical government or military force so if the Constitution is a living, breathing, growing document, wouldn't then the people then have an ability to be similar to what the framers had intended? Yeah, I, Dan, I, I think what I was actually trying to get at, and I, I do think you're right, it's a better way of putting it is we've, as a, a society, have decided that there are reasonable restrictions on still having that right, a Second Amendment right. Um, I, I don't know the, the conversation you just had. I'm not quite sure if I followed it completely, but... I can say that uh, the idea that we should be talking to people about is no one's trying to, I shouldn't say no one, but I, I don't think the mainstream thought is to change the Second Amendment. We want to make sure that people who hunt can continue to have a hunting rifle and people who may have a handgun for personal protection continue to do that. But we're saying when you have weapons of mass destruction, when you have uh, automatic weapons, when you have some of the magazines, the size you have the magazines, when you have... Uh, loopholes in the law that you can, you know, off of a internet website, which no one ever, you know, foresaw. Uh, you could buy a, a gun from someone in a parking lot with a bag full of cash without any kind of check that we have when you go to a store. Those are the kind of things that we should really be looking at. And as a, again, a society, bringing out how to still preserve that right uh, that is provided by the Second Amendment. So 
Um, I, I, perhaps I wasn't as clear, and I, I, it's probably a better way to say it, and hopefully I said it a little better now. What we're trying to get across uh, is that there are reasonable restrictions that still fall within constitutional rights, although certainly the time period the Constitution was written is very, very different than it is today when it comes to weapons. Yeah, I would like to respond, too, to him, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I just finished writing a book on the Second Amendment that's going out to the publisher next oh. week. And for this book, we searched through the entire, literally the entire record of James Madison's notes of the Constitutional Convention, the ratifying conventions of all 13 states where they ratified the Constitution, the debates in those states, and the debates in Congress around the, the Bill of Rights. Nowhere in any of them is there even one single reference to any founder or framer of the Constitution or the Bill of Rights suggesting that its purpose was so that average Americans could shoot it at their government, so that they could overthrow a tyrannical government. It does not exist. This is a lie. It first appeared in 1972 in the, in the NRA magazine, and it, and it was, in fact, it was an article written by a high school student suggesting this is a possibility. And it has taken on this mythic status, wow. particularly among the Tim McVeighs of the world, who actually believe we have a tyrannical government and it needs to be blown up. Tim McVeigh, the, the Oklahoma City bomber, he believed this. And this belief is one of the most toxic beliefs we have, and people use it to justify things like trying to murder Steve Scalise. Wow. That's, so, that's great time. I'm looking forward to that book. Because, yeah. uh, you know, th there hasn't been a lot, like you're talking about right now, written about this issue. And yet, again, here we are today. I didn't even know about it because it was on the floor voting while it happened. Yeah. Uh, another uh, shooting. school yeah. shooting. And, you know, we need to get smarter uh, on this issue. The good news is, uh, and I really do think this is great news, Tom, is that people are connecting the dots that the NRA is not about protecting hunters or people who want a handgun for personal protection, that the NRA is about gun manufacturers trying to get rich. And in Wisconsin, when we had that uh, Supreme Court election in April, NRA was an issue because they backed the conservative candidate running. And normally in the northern part of the state, uh, where everyone hunts, it's a huge family tradition, people who have voted uh, very much on the what you'd call the NRA side, they voted in one of the congressional districts 49% for a candidate, the other one 50 and a half. They're connecting the dots that the NRA is not them. The NRA is actually uh, just what we're saying about gun manufacturers trying to get rich. So yeah. there, there is tremendous progress in, in the last six you know, months or so in Parkland uh, students and students across the country deserve tremendous credit for that. And I'm looking forward to your book. Yeah, the NRA is just another K Street lobbyist. Mark in Washington, D.C. Mark, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, good afternoon, Congressman Pocan and Tom. Uh, Tom, first of all, quickly love the show. First heard about your Joe Madison show two years ago. Oh, thank you. And Joe's a great guy. Oh, he is. He is. I've been a follower ever since. Uh, Congressman, I was just uh, calling. My concern is, of course, with the mass shooting that just happened in uh, Santa Fe, Texas. Is there uh, any way we can find out who are the congressional or senatorial staff that support the NRA so we can put this measure out there to other people on social media and other areas so these people know, hey, these are the guys that support the NRA, and this is what we need to do to try to get him or her not reelected into that seat, because this is too much. And our schools are now becoming war zones instead of being a place of education. Yeah, 22 school shootings this year so far. Congressman? Great, great point, Mark. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that we saw in that race is the NRA was actually a detriment. Their endorsement was a detriment to the candidate. And I think that's what we have to keep doing. If we keep making sure that people know who the NRA is endorsing, in some districts and primaries, people are going to tout it, but we'll see who starts to hide the endorsement or not want the endorsement. When we can make it to the point that the NRA is a liability if they support you, we are at a point where we can get common sense gun laws passed in every state and nationwide, um, and that's what we need to do. So you're right. Let's call out the NRA for exactly what it is and then call out the people who get their support, and that's an important second step. Let me, by the way, add, in the uh, when we were searching through the debates uh, the, at the Constitutional, uh, at the writing of the Constitution, Madison's notes on the Constitution, we were actually able to find a reference to people wanting to uh, to have a conversation about undoing a tyrannical government in the United States, but it was not about guns. It was about the impeachment clause. That's why the impeachment clause is there to prevent a, you know, if a tyrant were to become president. Carolyn in Lynn Haven, Florida, you're on the earth, Congressman Pocan. Hey, Congressman. As an atheist, I would like to thank you for your support in Congress for the Free, free Thought Caucus. 
I'm a member of Freedom From Religion, and I read on their website that you and five others support atheist issues, and I thank you. Sure. Well, I thank you so much. Um, you know, what we are trying to do is make government run uh, the way it's supposed to with a separation of uh, religion and state. And, you know, I think there's so many issues, you know, from um, having a prayer on the floor every day we start. You know, I, um, on behalf of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which is based in my district in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, a great organization, I'm very, very proud of what the work they're doing. We actually put a request in to have uh, someone come and do that opening invocation. It was turned down. Um, by Father Conroy, and uh, they, they changed the reasons a couple times, and, you know, that's just one example, but there's so many areas where we've had, you know, people in the military who are treated differently if uh, they're non-theists and so many others, and we just want to make sure there's no discrimination against anyone, period, right? Uh, I think people can have different religions, but you can also not be religious, and we have to make sure that we're following uh, what this country's about, which is a separation of church and state. So what we did is we founded this caucus, Tom, uh, I think there may be a few more than five now that are members, but we're just trying to make sure that we can talk about science in a scientific way. We can talk about religion in a way that uh, doesn't pick winners and losers and uh, respects people who aren't religious. That's absolutely brilliant. Tim, in Music, Michigan, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Congressman. Hi there, Ken. Uh, you know, uh, I was calling about uh, immigration, but all, all this, you know, nonsense about the second uh, amendment uh, then why didn't you know the founding fathers say oh you can buy cannons and all that stuff but anyway that aside all I can say is Bernie Maxine 2020 the perfect vision for America's future right there and I and getting back to immigration I've worked all over the country at different newspapers and when I, I decided to stay in Boston, and the topic of, you know, illegal Mexicans. Okay, one guy was Italian. Tim, excuse me, what's your question for Congressman Pocan? We're just about... No, but, uh, no I just want to make a point about immigration and this nonsense that, ooh, all these illegal Mexicans. Why is it illegal? Me go to Boston. Go to the North End. See how many illegal Italians are there. Go to the South. Go to Southie. See how many illegal Irishmen are there. <laughs> go into the Erie pub and find out. In other words, in other words, this is not just a problem with with Hispanics, Congressman. We're going to hit a break in just a second here. Good yeah, I, I think Tim, um, you're right. I mean, obviously, people. Uh, it's, this is based on racism, uh, much of what uh, is out there on the immigration debate, and that's what we face in Congress and we face sometimes in the public, and uh, we need to get smarter and better about it. And I think, you know, should things change in November, we've got an opportunity. Last thing, really quick, Maxine and Bernie, you said that was your dream ticket. I just want to say they were two of the original founders of the Congressional Progressive Caucus uh, over 25 years ago. So um, proud they're still around and proud that they have found what the work we're doing right now with 78 members strong. That's amazing. And you are the co-chair of That's great. We'll be back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Middays with Mark, with the Congressman Mark Pocan. Rep Mark Pocan is his Twitter handle, his website, pocan.house.gov. We'll be right back. Back, Leslie in Central Square, New York. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. Oh, Congressman? Hi, Leslie. Uh, glad to meet you. Uh, my name is Leslie Dean, and I'd like to make one quick statement, and then i got to talk about something else. One quick statement is, in the health care bill, if one progressive Democrat had put a hold in, it would have never been a tax bill gone through. Okay? The other thing is, uh, I've seen two big ads in the last... Uh, two weeks by the Republican Party, and uh, I, one of them alone, I sat there and listened to five or six lies, one right after the other. You never see the Democrats come back and and uh, go against it, rebuff, rebuff anything. They leave everything to stand like it's true. Every time, they never rebuff anything, okay? And they don't rebuff anything Fox News says. They don't rebuff anything Rush Limbaugh says. They don't rebuff nothing because they leave everything to stand. And as far as I can see, they haven't done anything this year uh, to to uh, fight back against the Republicans. Nothing that I can see anywhere, okay, in the news or nothing. 
nothing's going on. You know, you got to come back with specific things that open the eyes of the of the voter on both sides, and that would be that we let them know about that health care bill and stuff, stuff like that. Okay, Leslie, know? let's get Congressman Pocan's thoughts on what you had to say. Yeah, you know, Leslie, uh, first of all, on the health care bill, I mean, because of the process, uh, how they did the health care changes, if this is what you're talking about, the changes they did were within the tax bill, and that was one that they could do it with 50 votes, so you couldn't have a hold. Stop it. It wasn't one that was affected by a 60-vote rule, so I uh, just want to make sure that's clear, because there are certain ways they can go around, not often, they can go around the 60-vote rule in the Senate, and in that case, there's nothing you could do on, on the health care bill with uh, the 60 votes. Second, I, you know, I do have to say, Leslie, I, I, you know, we've had this conversation a lot in this show, and you know, I, I disagree that Democrats just say nothing back. The problem is the corporate media doesn't really cover us. We have an enormously hard time to get on unless we want to talk about Russia. Even networks that are friendlier to us um, don't put Democrats on to talk about Democratic issues. And we say things here. We have press conferences all the time, groups like the Progressive Caucus and others, with our outside partners. But if they're not covered by the corporate media, which they're never covered by the corporate media, you don't necessarily know that they're happening. So it's not so much a problem that Democrats aren't saying something. It's a problem that we have a hell of a time getting coverage for the things that we do. And, you know, I think part of that is just another conversation we have to have about the corporate media. Yeah. Congressman, we have uh, 45 seconds to the break. Uh, You mentioned last week that, you know, values instead of issues. Could you you give me a couple of value statements that, that can put some flesh on those bones? Yeah, I mean, I think a good example is, you know, that something that you'd find wide consensus around is that, you know, people uh, believe that everyone should have um, opportunity uh, for their family to advance, right? I mean, something like opportunities and, and that is, is something that there, we've seen general widespread uh, support. Um, and I think that's like a good example when you talk about that, then we're talking about things that make sure we're inclusive uh, for all people. We're talking about um, the ideas of how to do that economically, so it's not just things going to the top 1% and 2%. But if you can find those common statements that there's uh, some continuity among no matter who you're at, you can show that our ideas are better than theirs because their ideas do not provide opportunity for everyone. So that's just like one example, but I think it's one of the key examples is that you know we have a, an overall platform that makes sure that families um, and people in general uh, have opportunity, and if they have opportunity, they can uh, then be able to succeed where their policies don't take us down that road. That's great. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. Sam in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Sam, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good afternoon, Congressman. Good afternoon, Tom. Uh, First-time caller. You You know, I am, like, so sick and tired of all the bullshit that's going on. All right, Sam, we can't, we cannot use language like that on the air. And uh, Sean, you dumped that. Thank you very much. Uh, my apologies if any of that slipped through. Uh, George in Atlanta, Georgia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you, Mr. Harbin, for taking my call. Congressman, I would yeah, like, I, I have two questions. One is, is there a way that we the people can get on the ballot for the people's supposed on outlaw and anti-automatic uh, uh, automatic weapons. Because it's our schools and our place of worship that are being victimized with assault weapons. And my second question is, if there is an anti-lynching law passed, would you support it? Or there have been 200 attempts to pass anti-lynching law. The first one was in 1918 by uh, Representative Dyer, it's called the Dyer Anti-Lynching Law. And if there's, if there's an anti-lynching law come up again, would you support it? Sure. Uh, George, thank you for your questions. On the first one, um, it depends on state to state and sometimes community to community whether you have uh, binding referendums or not. In my state of Wisconsin, they're only advisory. In states like California, I know they have uh, binding referendums. So I think you're going to have to look at your local community. But I certainly think these are the types of things that you can try to impact, whether it be around um, uh, common sense uh, ways to address gun violence or, for that matter, tax policy, how you deal with big corporations, other things. We're seeing success in the local communities right now, where clearly in Washington we're not. And uh, those are going to be the the pathways for us moving forward, especially if things go well in November. So you'll have to look at your local jurisdiction, but I think it's a great suggestion 
to use those types of initiatives to advance ideas, especially at the local level. Um, second, I, I'll be real honest, I didn't even know there wasn't anti-lynching legislation. I, I would assume that there would have been. So uh, you've informed me today. I appreciate that. And I think I would be supportive of something. First, always the devil's in the details of a bill, but I don't know why I wouldn't be supportive. Horace in High Point, North Carolina. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good afternoon, sir. Um, I want to know if you could write a letter to the special counsel concerning the conduct of Devin Nunes, because in my estimation, he has obstructed justice at least two times. Thank you. Yeah, so... I let me address it this way, if I can. I mean, I think Devin Nunez, the best way we can deal with him most directly is to make sure that in November he's allowed to return to the private sector or get a job in the Trump administration or whoever would hire someone who's had such buffoonery in the last two years. But quite honestly, it's gone way beyond the last two years. But, you know, watching how he's carried out uh, the Intelligence Committee in the House, the fact that this week the Senate uh, Comparable Committee in a bipartisan way admitted that the Russians interfered with elections and yet we can't even get that out of Devin Nunez because he's such a, a sycophant for the president. Uh, and he's done everything from, you know, getting information at the White House one night and bringing it there the next day and all the drama that he's done. Um, he has been a disservice uh, to Congress. I think he's been an embarrassment on all of us, Democrat and Republican alike. And I hope that his voters, and from some polling I've seen, they are getting it, that they would rather have someone who maybe they don't agree with on every issue than someone who's embarrassing them on nearly every issue. And that's the best way to deal with Devin Nunez. Irving in Evanston, Illinois. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Hello. Hello, Irving. You're on the air. Well, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm uh, very disappointed with the Democrats regarding voter particularly the fact that they don't do anything about cross-check. I've been following uh, Greg Tallis ever since 2000, and uh, the only place I ever hear him it, it is on Tom's show or uh, Amy Goodman, but he never gets on again. And there's no question in my mind, in his mind, and maybe even Tom's mind, that cross-check was the reason that Hillary Clinton lost the election, mm. particularly the fact that she lost Michigan by 10,000-some-odd votes, when supposedly about 2,000 votes were thrown away in Michigan in two cities, yeah. Detroit and Flint, Michigan. Okay. Very and I never let's, hear let's the like... Democratic Party leaders talking about cross. Even yeah. Irving, yeah. we have we have 50 seconds left. Let's let Congressman po uh, Pocan answer. Yeah, Irving, so I was going to say, first of all, I think Democrats are stopping Greg Palast, who I think is a great journalist from getting coverage. I, I can't take credit for that. I can tell you, because of listening to this program, we actually drafted a bill, and there is a bill introduced in Congress to deal with cross-check. So you can't say Democrats aren't doing anything because we actually have a bill introduced and people are sponsoring we're trying to put the idea forward. I can't say anything for DNC or someone else. Part of the problem goes back to the earlier discussion. Unless the corporate media reports it, you won't know we're doing it. But I can tell you uh, there is a bill formally introduced in Congress to directly deal with the problems of cross-check. Wow, that's great. Uh, we Let's see. Yeah, we, we just have 15 seconds. A uh, week ahead? A uh, week ahead, uh, look for, I think, uh, action around NDAA, especially next week, um, plus rescission. They're really trying to cut... The deal, we had a deal on an omnibus bill, and now they're trying to take some of that money back. If they do things like that, um, they're going to have a hard time getting anything through this body. So uh, watch for those two issues in particular. Great. And we look forward to talking with you again next week. Yep, absolutely. Hopefully on time, Tom. Okay. Sorry, that, oh, no, it's all good. Thank all you so right, much, care. Congressman. Great talking with you. Congress, you. Congressman Mark Pocan. Uh, Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him and tell him hi. Tell him thank you for being on our program at Rep. R.E.P. Mark M.A.R.K. Pocan P.S.C.A.N. Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tom Hartman Program. It's nine minutes before the hour. Tazio in Ithaca, New York. Am I saying your name right? Yes, you are. Great. What's on your mind? Um, I would like to argue that we don't have a right to a well-regulated militia because uh, in Oakland, in the middle 1960s, they put one together. You're Black talking Party Black Panthers? Panthers? Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. They put one together, and, uh, you know, they were very well regulated. They knew all their rights and how to work everything. Yep. And uh, they passed the Mulford Act. 
very soon after. In that was passed was one week after Bobby Seale and Huey Newton walked up into the California State House with a couple of shotguns. Yes. So I mean, if you think you have a right to a well-regulated militia, I mean, you can try. It might work if you're white. But um, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that uh, surrounding the Second Amendment is very anachronistic. Yeah. As well as the and hypocritical. Uh, at least the first ten amendments. Hypocritical? What do you mean? Well, oh, oh you mean because it will happen to white? Right. White it, the the, the Second Amendment was written for white men. Period. Right, right. And it could. Have, oh, and now I just reminded of that Clive and Bundy thing. So they could form yeah, exactly sort of a. Uh, uh, Can you a imagine if those guys up on that bridge pointing those guns at federal officers had been black? Yeah, I don't know what. Would Can you imagine? I mean, it would have been a holocaust. It would have been. It, it would have been a bloodbath. Uh, Tazio, thanks for the call. Well, brilliant point, Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, Tom. Um, if you feel like it, and since anything goes Friday, hey, the other day a caller called in and he said that he, you know, he believes like a lot of climate scientists that, or some climate scientists, that we're past the point of no return on global warming. And you respectfully disagreed with that perspective and you said do you think there are things we can do you know right now to ameliorate the damage uh well yes and no let me let me just qualify that real quick dave and then i'll you can have all the time you want i think we are past the point of no return for civilizational uh damage and possibly civilizational destruction i don't think we're past the point of no return for the extinction of the human species back to you uh, that's exactly kind of what I, how I look at it, because, um, you know, if you just look at, um, you know, the human uh, fossil record and you look at, like, anthropology, um, the, the Homo sapien even has, you know, survived, has had a rehabilitative um, population that's a lot, a lot lower, you mm -hmm. know, than I think any amount of damage that we could do. Yeah, our population, believe, our population as fully developed humans has been apparently as low as 80,000 people. Right, right. Yes, exactly. You can still, uh, it's rehabilitated, right? Yes. But I think, um, uh, I think we can, um, if, we, if we do, you know, implement climate uh, saving measures now, though, like, you know, renewable energy and everything, I think the, the, the gene pool, for lack of a better word, forgive me for that, the gene pool would be even larger. More pe even more people would survive. Yes, and, and thus more diversity, which is good for any species. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Dave. I, I completely agree. Thank you very much for the call. Betty in Sacramento. Hey, Betty, what's up? Hey, Tom, nice to talk to you. Thanks. Um, uh, it's a long-range question. I'll just want to hear your thoughts, and I'll get off. At some point, we have to find a way to reintegrate the right that has been hearing a steady stream of lies from Fox News and right-wing hate radio. How are we going to do that? It's <sighs> a good question. I mean, you know, after the Civil War, we tried to reintegrate the South, uh, you know, back into the Union and, and, you know, with Reconstruction. And within a couple of years, Reconstruction got blown up and the South, you know, <laughs> they started their, their uh, rehabilitate the, the Southern Generals strategy and, and uh, really, you know, bumped sure. it up in 1913. Um, I, Betty, I, you know, I, I guess, you know, a certain number of them, the, the, the average age of Fox News viewers is 70. And the vast majority of them are white. And 70-year-old white people, you know, maybe another 10 years, you know, they're going to be a force. But beyond that, they're, they're going to be sitting in rest homes or they're gone. So I'm, you know, right-wing hate radio concerns me more, frankly, because it's reaching out to young people. And, and you've got these, uh, in fact, there was a really good article about this on uh, Daily Kos today about how uh, YouTube has... Uh, become the the place to go for for right wing haters, you know, for for bigots and Nazis and whatnot, and uh, they're monetizing this. They're making money out of this, and yeah. uh, so uh, you know, it, it's it's like we've got to figure out a way to to break this multi generational cycle. And I don't have the answer. I thought you know maybe the European experience. I mean, look at Germany, you know. Uh, you've got the rise now of the hard right. The rise of the Nazis is happening in Europe right now. You know, Viktor Orban in Hungary is 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 almost a Nazi. Uh, you know, he's a total authoritarian. And and uh, you know, Merkel is dealing with this crisis in Germany of the rise of the hard right. It's like phew, you'd think that we would learn from history. Apparently not. 
But Betty, I think all, yeah. all we can do, thank you for the call. I think that what good people of good will need to be reaching out and need to be engaged. That's the number one thing, is getting engaged, participating in the political process, informing people. If Fox News is gonna to lie to people, you tell them the truth. You know, if, if, if uh, right-wing politicians are gonna deny climate change and deny you know, racism and all this other stuff, you tell them the truth. We've gotta do that. We are the people we've been waiting for. And so, you know, democracy is not a spectator sport. It means you gotta get out there, you gotta get active tag, you're it. We'll see you next week. Have a wonderful weekend, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.